Grab a seat and grab your Bibles. Turn with me to the Old Testament book of Psalms. Good morning. My name is Josh. I'm one of the ministers here at Clear Creek. If this is your first time, welcome. If this is one of the many times, welcome back home. We love you. So good to see you. Some of you are going, where's Psalms? Real simple. Here's what you do. Grab your Bible. Everyone take your Bible. Do this. Ready? Take your Bible. Did you bring your Bible this morning? Oh, we're going to have to work on this. Okay. Next week, bring your Bible. What you do, take it, open it basically into the very middle. You'll probably land in the book of Psalms because it is in the very middle of your Bible. And turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. That's where we're going to dive in as we start a new teaching for the next nine weeks, the two months, June and July, through the Psalms called Summer in the Psalms. Psalms. 120 individual poems or songs, many of them written as prayers. These were the very words that our Savior Jesus knew by heart. In fact, he relied on the truth of the Psalms in his everyday life. In fact, some of the words that you are most familiar with that Jesus said came from the Psalms. Uh, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you remember that one? That's Psalm 22. Others of us in here, some of our favorite psalms or or, or passages from Scripture are psalms. So, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Don't you just love that one? And then there are others, you know, how long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me forever? And others in here, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs or pants for you. So over and over and over again, you get these moments from the psalms and these pictures. And so we're going to be taking... Nine Sundays to walk through nine different psalms. But as a church, throughout the rest of the months, we're going to walk through the remaining psalms. So I'm going to invite you on your seat should be a handout. Go ahead and grab that real quick. If you don't see it, you're probably sitting on it. Just go ahead and pick that up. Kate, thank you. I appreciate it. She's got her held up high. I appreciate that. This is your cheat sheet for the next two months. We're going to be going through this. We also have an electronic version uh, that you can use as a desktop wallpaper or on the background to your phone if you want. All you have to do is text CC Guide to 94000. I believe that's right, 94000. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. And right there on that page at the very top is a little download link you can download for your desktop or for your uh, phone. And that's what I've done. So that way on my phone, I have all of it right there as well. And the last thing I'd encourage you to do, if you can't be here in, per- in person, join us online and certainly get with others, your family. Maybe if you're on vacation, circle up, talk about the scripture, read scripture together. But let this be a summer where we don't simply coast in our faith, but deepen in it. Because how many of us know that although we may take a break from school, walking with Lord does not need a break. Rather, it gets deeper and better the longer we walk with him. And so today we're going to dive into the very first Psalm, Psalm chapter one. It begins with these words. Blessed is the one who does not walk by the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, say this word with me, prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. 
For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's pray together. Father, as we open this beautiful collection of songs, and with this one in particular, may the words from these six verses speak to not only our lives, but to our very hearts. And I pray that as we begin to dig deep into the subterranean text, what it means underneath the simple words we read, I pray that it will open in us a clarity of what you want for us, but also that we would become more hungry for the rest of what you would show us these next two months in Psalms. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So I want to begin our very first Psalm with this very important question. Are you ready for the question? Because this is the question. Even if you do not ask the question, it's the question that everyone is attempting to answer in their own life. I'm convinced of it. In fact, this one thing is one thing that many people have given their lives in the pursuit of. Some of them have even wrecked their lives because of it. So here's the question. Are you ready? Do you want to be happy? Show of hands. Anyone else in here want to be happy or is the preacher the only one? Oh, there we go. Honest people today. Isn't it interesting that we all desire happiness and yet I'm convinced of a couple things. Most everyone you'll meet say they want to be happy and yet most people are very unhappy. Back in the 60s and 70s, there was a resurgence um, throughout the nation, a religious fervor that began. And yet what was interesting and what people could not quite put their finger on was that there was also an uptick in suicide rates. And people were wondering, how can you have people who are so growing in faith, it seems, and yet there's also this, this, this self-destructive action that seems to be taking place. And I think one of the answers came by a young man who killed himself. He hung himself and he left a note. He said, the only thing in this culture that has roots is this tree. Is it possible that for many people, the reason that we do not find happiness is because we have chosen to find our roots in something that cannot hold us up? Anyone else in here just a little bit frustrated by all the things that seem to be getting in the way of rooting ourselves deeply in something that will maintain a happy life? Now, here's the other thing. I think a lot of us treat happiness almost like the treats or the little snacks at Sam's Club. Anyone in here know what I'm talking about? Sam's Club treats. Anyone in here? Let me do it this way. Did any of you have a father who loved you deeply enough to take you foraging at Sam's? I remember the first time, I couldn't have been more than five or six years old. My dad said, hey, buddy, you want to go have some fun? I'm like, yeah, I'm up for fun. He goes, let's go to Sam's Club. I'm like, that is not my definition of fun. He goes, oh, no, that'll be good. And he began to take me around. And you know the circuit, right? You go from one little kiosk to another. And who knows what they may be selling? Maybe it's like a Hot Pocket they've cut up into 75 itty-bitty little bites. And they put them in those little cups. Or maybe over here it's some fruity beverage. Or over here it's some sort of sweet treat. And the key is, um, I learned this also, is you bring a baseball cap when you go. Now, the first circuit, you don't wear the baseball cap. And then the next time around, you put the baseball cap on, so hopefully they don't recognize you. I tried to paint a little mustache on myself, but as five years old, they just kind of recognized it wasn't legit, and they kicked us out. But it was awesome. I think a lot of us treat happiness like we treat those little snacks 
At Sam's, here's what I mean. Is it possible that many of us are exchanging the four-course meal God wants to offer us for these little things that take a whole lot of work and you're not satisfied afterward? And so this beautiful psalm, which as every scholar will tell you, this one psalm is the preface psalm to every other psalm. Like if you want to understand the book of Psalms, you need to understand Psalm 1. Why? Because it is the thesis statement for the rest of the psalms. It is the picture of what God desires for you and me and how God intends for us to enjoy it. Are you ready to see this now? In fact, the third thing I want you to know this morning, first, I think everyone is seeking happiness, but two, everyone's treating it cheaply. But number three, God actually does want your happiness. Now, I know for some of us, we grew up being told God does not want happiness for us. He wants holiness for us. So if you're having fun in church, knock it off. It's like, really? Friends, happiness is not God's primary goal for you, but it is a goal for you. And I'll show you why. Are you ready? The very first word in the psalm tells us so. I want to show you four things about happiness. Number one, happiness is available. Happiness is available. If you're writing this down, happiness is available, but it is not automatic. Happiness is available, but it is not automatic. Psalm 1.1 says, blessed. Blessed. Now, there are a couple of Hebrew words for that word. Blessed. The first one is the Hebrew word Baruch. Everyone say Baruch. And that is how you actually pronounce that word in Hebrew. It is Baruch. And it means blessed. That is the most common word used for this word blessed. But here's the interesting thing. This word here is not this word here. He doesn't use the word Baruch. He uses a less common word which means happiness. That word is ashure. And this word means happiness. It doesn't just mean like I'm blessed, almost like, well, you know, life's tough, but I'm blessed. You know, things are, I mean, God loves me. I'm blessed, but my life really stinks. No, the word he uses for blessed or that we have translated blessed is happiness. The very first word in the songbook of the early church is the word happiness. Or happy is the one. God actually intends for his children to enjoy more than a begrudging, get-through-life attitude. But for us to experience the fullness of what it means to live rooted in the source of God. Happy is the one. In other words, notice it then says, blessed is the one. And this isn't a qualified word. It doesn't say, blessed are the rich. (laughs) How many of us have watched what's going on in Hollywood and you go, they're rich, but I don't see a lot of happiness. He doesn't say blessed are the educated. He doesn't say blessed are those who are raised in this nationality or have this ethnicity. It is for anyone who desires it. Happiness is available, but it is not automatic because the next words are blessed is the one who does not. So now there is an action associated with happiness. Did you know that happiness is not something you merely catch, but it is something that you engage in? Happy begins with what you don't do. And then in verse two, it'll show us what we do do. He says, blessed is the one who does not, and he's going to say three things. Notice three, these three verbs, does not walk, does not stand, and does not sit, does not walk by the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way uh, that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, here's what's interesting. Walk, stand, sit, walk, stand, sit. 
This is a progression from going from activity to becoming complacent, settled, stuck. How many of us know people that as they get older, they get stuck in their ways? That they no longer try new things, they no longer engage, but they resign themselves. This is how life is. But it's not just a generic, I'm getting stuck. It is getting stuck in a way of thinking, behaving, and believing. Thinking, behaving, believing. So here's what I mean by that. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The word wicked literally means someone who says what is good is actually evil, and what is evil is actually good. If there's any word that defines 2023 America, it would be the word wicked. Good? No, that's evil. Evil? No, that's good. That when you walk, and it's not just that you walk, but it's walk by the council, meaning you allow the ideology of the world to dictate what you think is true. He says, people who do that will not be happy. It may be a fleeting moment of, well, it's a dopamine hit. It's that Sam's Club little treat, but you walk a few feet and you go, I'm hungry for something else. Blessed are those who do not walk by the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take. The word sinner simply means missing the bullseye. Like if you're shooting and you miss the bullseye of God's perfection, well, what's God's profession? To love him and love other people. So when you think wrongly, you'll treat people and God wrongly. Do you see this? That the way we think leads to the way we act. And what you get stuck in, set in your ways, that is the beliefs, the foundations of your life, or sit in the company of mockers. A mocker is someone who cannot appreciate God's goodness or beauty and often will even mock that there could be such a thing as a God. Oh, you think there's a God, you small-minded person. He says, if you want to be happy, it's available to all. It is available, but it's not automatic. You must not do certain things. And then verse 2, he says, but the people who are happy, they do certain things. Notice this, but they delight, meaning they find joy. They find energy. They get geeked out, pumped up. Yeah, jazzed by the law of the Lord. Now, doesn't that all of a sudden suck the wind out of this one? I delight. I'm excited on the law. Any of you get geeked out on law? No. Good answer. But I want you to see something that is so beautiful. See the law of God. That word, by the way, in Hebrew that we have translated law, that's the Hebrew word Torah. That's actually the Hebrew word Torah. How many of you have heard of the Torah? Yeah, the law of God. Friends, the law is a gift if you don't know how life works. If you want to play a board game and you don't know the rules, it's no fun. But if you know the rules, now you can have a lot of fun. We were with some friends the other day playing with our kids and their kids and playing a game. And one of the kids was real smart, real quick to pick up. We never played this game before. And so we got to a rule that did not benefit this one child. And the child quickly told us what the real rules were. Now, fun for that kid, not for the rest of us. How many of us know that knowing the law of God, how the universe works, keeps you from falling off cliffs to your death? Delight in the law, the truth, the goodness, the beauty of God. See, happiness is available, but it is not 
automatic. You must not do some things and you must engage other things. Number two, very quickly now, it is rooted and a result of being rooted. Happiness is a result of being rooted. Verse 3 tells us that the person who loves the law of God, who is steering clear of a way of thinking, behaving, and believing, but is engaging in the goodness of God's word, this kind of person is like a tree planted by streams of water. What do we know about trees planted by streams of water? Well, a few things. Notice, number one, it yields fruit in season, so it has a purpose beyond itself. A tree, think about this, a tree never benefits from its own fruit. What tree is out there going, that looks yummy? No, at best, that tree will reproduce itself, but it does not receive the benefit of its own growth. In other words, a happy person makes other people happy. God's goal is not simply for you to be this person who holds it all together, but is giving it out for the glory of God. You will be like a... You will be a refreshing presence in a world that is in desperate need of water and food of life. And not only that, notice this, and whose leaf does not wither. Well, now, wait a minute. Does this mean that they're not experiencing the difficult seasons? No, 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 not at all. It means that because they are rooted in a source outside of themselves, a stream, even the difficult seasons of life do not cause it to wilt. You know anyone who wilts under pressure? You know anyone who, man, they're happy one minute, the next moment they're just upset because... Someone messed up their order at the restaurant. Or you have someone because they didn't get this job interview or they didn't get this situation or because this happened, everything has fallen apart. They're the child who falls down on the ground, kicks their feet, goes, why? Don't look at the person if they're sitting near you today. But we all know people like that. In fact, for some of us, we see that person every time we look in the mirror. But the person who is rooted in the truth of God's word, who delights on how God has made things. And you go, wow. They are people who find happiness even when the season is not in their favor. See, there are other people, though, he says. In fact, he's going to explain that happiness is the result of being rooted. And then he goes on to explain that it is, well, it is an internal experience, not an external one. What does that mean? Well, he tells us in verse 4, doesn't he? He says, not so the wicked. He goes into this next little thing. He says, the wicked are not like a tree who are rooted, who are firm, who don't get blown around and beaten up by the world and by circumstances. No, the wicked, they're like chaff. Anyone in here know what chaff is? Have you, and I didn't say chafe. I know it's summertime. I said chaff. Anyone, chaff? Let me show you what chaff is. Here's a video. This man is showing us a little chaff. This is grain, and the external husk of the grain is the chaff. It is easily blown away even by the small blowing of a breeze. Our culture, our country, our world is so easily blown around, isn't it? 
See, see, here's what you see in this text. Everyone is chasing happy. No one seems to find it. So they're blown around to the next thing and the next thing. Oh, I'm not happy. So you say, I don't have to stay with the one I've committed my life to. I might find happiness elsewhere. Oh, I'm not happy. So I will no longer consider my body the temple of God. It is simply something for me to form and shape into whatever makes me feel more like me. Oh, I'm not happy. So I will choose to give my life to the dollar and not to the people around me. Do you see how our world, because we are so blown around, no one is happy. Because we are people often who have more on the outside than the inside. We're easily pushed around. In fact, that's what chaff is, isn't it? It's simply the husk. It's what everyone can see, but it's not the substance of who you are. Think of it this way. Chaff is what you put on social media, but it does not reflect who you really are. Chaff is the part that gets blown away. The grain is what remains. And in a world where there is no grain on the inside, there is nothing of substance. We will be blown around. But blessed is the one who meditates on the law of God. This is how you made things. I don't understand all this. I don't know that it will always make me feel good. But I'm trusting this is how life works. And the most incredible thing happens. Have you noticed that when you pursue happiness, you don't get it? Have you ever noticed that the people who make their ultimate life mission happiness seem to be some of the most miserable people in the world? Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. There will be someone who says, I want to be happy. And so people are commodities to be used in their goal for happiness. Their job is not about serving others. It's about what can I get and become more happy. Have you ever, don't again wave, don't, don't point to someone, but have you ever seen someone whose ultimate goal is happiness? Hear me now. The truth from scripture is if you seek happiness, you will not get happiness. But if you seek something deeper, what? If you put your roots, the core of your life into something Else, something life sustaining, and you do so to produce for other people. The result is that you will never wither or fade. You will be a happy person. Friends, some of the happiest people I know are those who give themselves to knowing God, loving God, knowing others, loving others. But because that seems so foreign to our world, we think, no, that can't be the way it is. And we're blown around. See, happiness. It's available. It's not automatic. Happiness is a result of being rooted in something bigger than yourself. Happiness is internal. It is not external. And number four, and most importantly, if you don't hear anything else, hear this, but happiness is in Jesus. Now, I know, I know, I know. We're in church. I'm supposed to say that, right? I've told you before the story of the kindergarten class at church. The teacher, she says to all the kids, she says, okay, students, what is brown has a fluffy tail and collects nuts. And this one little kid thinks, well, it sounds like a squirrel, but I'm church, so I'll say Jesus. The fact is, this is still the answer. As trite as it may feel, happiness is found in the source of life himself. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the what? Yes, some of you know it. He's the life. He is that source. In fact, do you remember the moment where a a woman who had been pursuing happiness 
And I know we're having to do a little conjecture and a little bit of guessing to understand her backstory. But in John 4, there's a weary woman who goes to a well in the middle of the day. She's hot. She's tired. Life's tough. She's been blown around. She's had five different husbands. She's now with a man who's not even her husband. We don't know if it's because she chose it or because she was forced into circumstances beyond her control. We don't know. But what we do know is she is a woman who is like chaff. She is a husk of who she wishes she was. And Jesus, in his most tender, precious way, he doesn't start by telling her what she did wrong. He doesn't go to her about hey, this is the way to think all these things differently. He gives her this beautiful picture of life as it was intended to be lived. And he says in verse 10 of John 4, these words, if you knew, by the way, friend, if you knew, and let me, before I read this, let me just say this. If you evaluate your life and you are not a happy person, if you are on this roller coaster of emotion, And I'm not saying that life is easy. By the way, did you notice that the tree bears fruit in season? Its leaf does not fade, but it does not say that the tree only enjoys spring and fall time. No, it is in the heat of the summer. It is in the cold of the winter that the tree still stands firm. Even in the very hard winter months of life. Even in the dry summers. Because when things get hard, the tree's roots just go deeper into the water. And I just want to ask you, if you find yourself, you're like, man, I am just all over the place. I am not a very happy person. Then this is an invitation for all of us, including those of us who have already drunk from the streams of Jesus. He now invites us to return to the source of life. If you, if you knew the gift of God, meaning you don't earn it. And who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he, Jesus talking about himself, and he would have given you, say these two words with me, living water. And then verse 14 continues this idea, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What am I trying to tell you, friends, that in Psalm 1, the promise that the tree will be in streams of water points to the only stream that can satisfy the human soul, and that's Jesus Christ. In fact, two incredible little things I want to close with that I need you to see. In verse 3, once again, look at this verse one more time. Go back. I didn't put it up there for you. There you go. Notice this. It says, the person is like a tree planted. That word in Hebrew refers to being transplanted, meaning you once lived here, but you've been moved Here, once you were in a dry place, but someone bigger than you, more powerful than you, more gracious than you, took you out by the root system, carried you over, and now transplanted you by the stream of water. There is only one who is big enough and gracious enough, my friend, who can carry you from the dry places and say, this is where life is found. And it is the one who met a thirsty woman at a well, said, come to me and I will give you what you need. And then this other little phrase, streams of water, this word streams, such a very strange little Hebrew word, it's the Hebrew word peleg. And it means and refers to a crack in the ground or a hand dug channel. What does that mean? It wasn't a naturally occurring stream. It came because of an outside source who supernaturally brought it about. 
there's but one source of life in this universe. And his name is Jesus. And it's for this reason that if you want to be happy, you will never find true life-sustaining happiness in the dry seasons and in the cold seasons apart from Jesus Christ. Friend, it is no coincidence that the first thing we do when we follow Jesus is we step into the waters, the waters the waters of baptism. Why? Because in both a real and a symbolic way, we are saying today the root system is going into the only source of life. Do you want to be happy? If the answer is yes, then turn deeper, put the roots stronger down into the only one who gives life. His name is Jesus Christ. And we see him in Psalm 1. We're going to see him through the rest of the Psalms. And so we're going to pray. I'm going to invite you to talk to this good God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to invite you just to consider where in life might you find that you're placing your roots other than for Jesus. And the simplest way I know to figure that out is to answer the question, when I lose a relationship, when I lose an income stream, when I lose a promotion, Am I crushed, am I sad, or do I feel like life is over? For any place where you feel life is over, Jesus would simply say, you're putting your roots in the wrong place. Come back to me. And so, Father, every heart is open to you. We thank you that you love us enough to come to give us life, to transplant us, to put us deep in the stream. You do not remove the hard seasons from our lives, but you promise to be a source that will sustain us through those hard times so that, yes, we may be blessed. We may experience happiness. It's in Jesus and only Jesus that we find it. So it's in his name that we pray. Amen.